leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. I am excited to be back here again with our Breaking Into Cybersecurity series. I am Renee Brown-Small, and I am the author of Magnetic Hiring, and that book is focused on the cybersecurity recruitment space. I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Chris Fullon. So hi to everyone, Chris. Hey, everyone. And our special guest today is Stacia Tempanic. Say hi, everyone. Say hi to everyone, Stacia. Hello. So we are excited to interview Stacia. She is also someone who's broken into security in the past few years. And we want to learn all about Stacia today. So Stacia, I'm going to start out with just jumping right in, understanding what made you break into cybersecurity, what you were doing before cybersecurity, you know, tell us your story as to what made you want to break into this field. Yeah, so I actually went to college to be a history, high school history teacher. So kind of crazy, right? Uh, in there, not one you'd expect. Um, I grew up in somewhat of a, a technical surroundings. My dad was a solution architect for um, a bunch of different companies. So he, you know, had a nice office. We actually were lucky enough as kids to have our own computer just for the kids. Um, and But he traveled a lot. So when things went down, network went down, when the printer couldn't print, right, it was kind of, you know, figured out. You know, you have to go through and do your basic troubleshooting. So, uh Nothing crazy, right? But in in college, I actually worked part time on the just throughout the week uh, at an organization, just as a receptionist uh, and just helping out there to make some extra money. Uh, one day, I came in and uh, everything was gone. All of our clients' information, credit card information, appointments, uh, personal information, uh, everything was gone. Wow. And so they looked at me and said, Stacia's technical. She's the one that fixes everything around the office when things go awry. Uh, fix it. <laughs> and so I said, okay, well, there's got to be a backup, you know, server, or backup database or something that has this information in it. And I was brought down into a basement and saw this poor server. I felt like it was like a little, one of those episodes where those commercials where you see like the sad puppies and, and things. It was like the sad server. It had dust all over it. Um, and it was hot, like literally temperature wise hot. And I was like, this is, this is not good. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, how about this? Um, you know, instead of me continuing to be a receptionist, let me try to help you guys rebuild a lot of uh, the stuff from the ground up and we don't have an IT team. So let's try to outsource as much as we can infrastructure wise so that we don't have to really, you know, uh, we can rely on other people to make sure they're keeping things up, especially in an industry that relies on uptime. So once we finished, um, I helped, 
you know, basically rebuild everything from the ground up, uh, from literal hardware to getting um, new credit card systems, new credit card infrastructure so that uh, we could help, you know, pass our PCI compliance audits. Uh, we did things like try to outsource as much as, as we could to the cloud, um, helped configure that so that we had cloud systems, which was actually pretty cool. And there was a multi uh, floor building. So trying to set up wireless access points so that people could access, you know, uh, to this database at all times, right, no matter where they were in the building, so that we could keep operations running as efficiently as possible. Once I finished all of that, I said, wow, that was really fun, you know, um, but I wouldn't want to go through that again. <laughs> so uh, I found someone just doing some referencing on Facebook, um, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go work for a cybersecurity company because I think it's kind of cool. But I knew I wasn't that technical, so I said, I'm just going to go to be a salesperson. Um, and so... I went through the process of trying to go into sales and they said, you're too technical. You have to go to sales engineering. And I was like, what? Um, so that's really how I started my career. Crazy start. I'm not doing anything as far as history, but I am doing education, right? From the side of trying to, um, you know, talk to customers or prospects and understand where they're at and how we can help them improve their security posture overall. Wow, that's quite a story. Um, and it definitely goes to show that we need individuals with different backgrounds, different skill sets, um, both the technical and the non-technical folks, um, to be able to help promote security and um, promote awareness. Because like you said, your old company didn't have any IT people. They didn't know what they had to do in a situation like this. So we need people that know how to communicate to those people and how to share ideas with them um, so that we can help promote the industry. Absolutely. So um, now that you're in the security field, um, what do you do to keep current, um, keep up with everything that's ever changing? Yeah, so I'm always trying, um, I try at least once a year to take some sort of course, right? Whether that's like a SANS course, or um, I just completed, Cyber has like a Python for beginners course, right? So even if you don't have the money or resources to do something like a SANS, there's still plenty of, I, I'm a big Cyber fan, um, as well as Udemy. I'm a big Udemy fan as well. So trying to just get some sort of knowledge of, hey, is there a certain subject that I feel I struggle being able to keep up with in a conversation? Okay, then that's something I'm going to go explore a little bit more. Um, I also think that every person has mindless time in their day, right? Whether it's driving, getting ready, um, you know, doing laundry, cooking, etc. And so I try to listen to one security podcast a week. My favorites, I like the Defensive Security Podcast, big fan of that, as well as I just started listening to the CISO Vendor Relationship Podcast. I think that one's a really good one. And they just broke off and did a Defense in Depth, which is kind of a break off of the CISO Vendor Security Podcast. Um, so that's like a CISOseries.com. You can go and check them out. So I'm always trying to at least just take mindless time uh, and try to listen to at least something to keep me current with what's going on this week or what's going on uh, pretty recently in cyber. And I found that I find a lot of value in it. And then when I do want to flip over and listen to music, it's that much more exciting because I haven't listened to it in a little bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm also a big promoter of um, podcasts and things like that. And 
Renee and I are both very um, big supportive of Cybrary. Um, we just see how it can help individuals so so much. Yes, absolutely. The uh, Chris is. I, I, it's a running joke that the way I met Chris is because he had a roundup of all of the podcasts that he listens to hours and hours of, I don't even know how he does any work. I don't even know how he's here today <laughs> <laughs> because he's always listening to podcasts. So, you know, providing all of the, the podcasts that are out there and sharing that knowledge and just being abreast of everything that's going on. It's, it's, it's just such a necessity in this space. Um, and I know one of the questions hiring managers, I mean, Chris asked it, the question, question that hiring managers tend to ask a lot is like, how do you keep abreast of the industry because it's ever changing? Because, you know, what we learned five minutes ago has changed today um, or five minutes later. So definitely good for you to, um, to share that that's what you're doing um, in your mindless time. So go ahead. I was going to say for... Oh, oh, thank you. Um, for, for those that are kind of like you who didn't think they wanted to go in this field, but they're thinking of going in this field, um, being um, uh, a sales associate or a sales engineer, um, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, I would say, you know, you definitely need to have a work ethic in terms of you want to keep learning. Right. Um, because because things, especially in this field, change all the time. People have very strong opinions in this field. Right. So you think of something like the um, the vulnerability that, you know, any any topic, really. Uh, some people might think that they might have a strong opinion this way. And you may meet someone that has a strong opinion whole other 360 view on things, right? Um, I think that you really want to also never assume. I've learned just never assume. Um, I always like to ask people, you know, tell me more about that. Never be afraid to also say, I don't I don't really know a lot about that. Can you tell me more? Um, I think a lot of the time this industry has somewhat of a toxic rock star culture, right? Um, and this idea that, you know, there's people that know everything and, and that's just not possible. Um, I'm really a big advocate of honing in on certain things, but there's some areas that I'm just not an expertise in. I let people know out, out of the gate, listen, I am not a firewall junkie. Um, you're going to have to give me some tips and tricks on this as we go. Uh, and leverage other people's skills, right? Leverage other people's knowledge, but don't ever assume. And, and it's okay to say, I don't know, especially when you're first getting into the field. People are going to throw acronyms at you. It was crazy. When I first started, people would get on a call and people would use all kinds of acronyms. And at first, I would just I would just breeze by and be like, I'm going to pretend that I know what that means. And then I learned, wait a minute, I could just ask them, like, can you just explain uh, AD? What is that active? Okay, just want to make sure, you know, that's not a stupid question. Um, we go into meetings all the time now where we use acronyms and CISOs are like, NGAV, what is, what's, what is that? What does that stand for? Right? That's okay. That's definitely advice that I would give. In regards to, Oh, Renee, you're going to say something? Okay. Um, in regards to being curious and always learning, um, how do you see those that are considering formal education, certifications versus on-the-job training? Um, any advice for those based on your experience? 
Yeah, so I think that's a very sensitive subject depending on who you talk to about it, right? There's plenty of people that have every certification in the book. Um, and they're, you know, we call those practice players, right? They can practice, but then in real life, they get out in the field and they're like, I don't know how this works. Um, I think that it's a mix of both, right? Um, I have learned, I had to learn so much about what was normal happening on a machine because I was trying to sell application whitelisting, right? So I had no choice but to know, is this normal? What is this, right? Um, and so for something like that, I think that it's really important that you make sure that, okay, you know, you learn that baseline, you get that down, and then you kind of go from there. Um, and as far as certifications, I think that, that just helps better round you as an individual, right? Because at the end of the day, um, yes, I am working towards my CSSP. I did my network plus, my security plus, right, just to get those out of the way. Would I say that if I didn't have those today, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am? No. But it does help kind of fully round you as an individual, I think. So they're more complimentary than they are gatekeepers um, for most people. That, that's how I think it, it, but based on my experience. Okay, okay. Um, and re regards to the community, do you do things like meetups, go to conferences, anything like that, um, social media? What do you do to keep current in that aspect? Yeah, so um, I'm lucky enough that my company is very uh, open to kind of let, allowing us to explore in the security community, right? When it comes to conferences, um, I've done the Black Hats. I've done, um, I haven't done RSA yet. I'm not sure that I'm going to do it this year. San Fran's just not a great place to visit at this time of the year. Not that Boston's any better, but um, I. I was lucky enough to go to DerbyCon. Um, I've been lucky enough to go to the Sands IR Summit down in New Orleans. So uh, usually once a year, I try to go to one big event. And and most people, we actually, um, at the end, we typically see most of our customers, uh, same thing. They can usually only budget in like one big event a year. So we try to go to one. Um, I'm also a big advocate. A lot of these cons record their uh, their cons. So like, for instance, I couldn't go to DerbyCon this year, but if you go to irongeek.com, uh, they have all of the con talks recorded. So again, okay, maybe I finished my podcast for the week. Now I move on to what's the last con talk I was on, right? And, and go through that. Um, that's free, right? And you can do that. So even if you don't have the funds or the travel budget to go, you can still usually get access to a lot of those talks after the fact. They just take a little time to come out. Um, I do want to promote, actually, I'm going next week to uh, Day of Security, which is in Boston um, on the 22nd, I believe. So I'll be heading there and doing some lightning talks. And um, it's cool to find stuff locally. If you can't find a meetup, great. That's a good place just to start and network from there. You can always go to a session. You know, I would say you can go to a session, a networking session, if you're like, this has nothing to do with what I do. At least you can say you tried, right? You mm -hmm. went. Had to connect with a few people, uh, but a lot of the stuff is free, and that's the beauty of this industry. No, definitely. And I, um, if you have the link for that, that you're going to, and you want to invite others to go there, feel free to paste it in the chat. Um, I know one of the things that I tried to do is I tried to go to at least one ISSA or ISC squared or some sort of meetup here in the Northern Virginia area, and 
Um, with regards to cons, I went to B-Sides DC, um, B-Sides Nova, so your B-Sides uh, your B-sides cons tend to be on the less expensive side um, than your black hats or your bigger ones, um, but they also have that smaller community feel. Uh, so you do get to meet and network with uh, more individuals, and uh, I highly promote that as well. And I have to throw in that um, Chris is going to be presenting at B-sides Nova coming up in the next couple of weeks. So excited to have that so not only attending but then getting to the point where presenting is also um in the area as well that's awesome yeah so stacia tell us about when you walked when you got to um got into the field you know one of the things that our audience likes to hear or they feel um they don't want to feel alone when they when they know that they've been interviewing and and they've been submitting their resumes, some people to hundreds of positions, and you know, it took them quite a while to get into, to really actually break in. In terms of your actual timeline, what were you doing? How long did it take? How many interviews did you go on? How many you know, resumes did you submit? That kind of thing to get to where you are today. Yeah, so I would say it was about a four to six month process. Um, and I really, I think you can get really overwhelmed and apply with really general resumes to a lot of companies. Uh, that's one approach, right? It's like a spray and pray technique. Um, and I started doing it that way. And then I was like, you know what? I get calls back. I couldn't keep up with who's calling me. I didn't really know what the tech did. And, and I wasn't even sure if I was passionate about the technology yet, right? I was kind of just like, find a job, go. Um, and I would say that I took a step back and I said, let me actually go be a couple and, and submit things more strategically and build my resume more strategically. Uh, and I did that with about three companies, right, that I felt passionate about the tech. And that's where I found I was having more success. And the thing is, is people will say, okay, um, I would also advise, like there was a bunch of times where there were phone interviews. I'd have my initial interview and I, I was kind of would be like, eh, I'm not sure if I'm crazy about this anymore. Um, I would say keep going through the processes, right? If you have the time, um, nothing can hurt having more experience. Just keep going through interview processes uh, and just understand, you know, I could have done this better or, you know, maybe this is why I didn't like that tech as opposed to this tech. I think that that never hurts. If you had the time, just do it for the experience of having those conversations so that when you find the tech that you are super passionate about, that you want to get into, you're going to nail that presentation or that interview because you've done, you know, five or six. I also think it's important to note that um, some of them can be really long. I mean, uh, for, the, for the one that I got my job in, I had two phone interviews. I had to come in and meet with six people in some like two hours. Um, I had to come in again and do a presentation. Uh, so there sometimes can, these can be long processes, you know? And so I, that's why I think you have to be more strategic, go after a couple instead of going across the board and just trying to get what you can. Um, I found it's more successful when you be strategic and that's probably why it took the four to six months. I'd say even if I was strategic just from the start, you're probably looking at four to six months. You know, I also recommend don't leave a job until you have a new one. <laughs> just general feedback. <laughs> right. 
Now it's always, it's a whole lot easier to have a clearer head when you have some money coming in um, and you're looking for a new opportunity and it's not like a desperation type of looking for something. And some people are out there, you know, if they just graduated, if they're a full-time graduate and they just graduated and they're looking for opportunities, like you don't have something, so I get it, you know, and, and you, you can't, you just don't have an opportunity, but if you are in one, I also would wholeheartedly agree it's a different mentality and you can really kind of thoroughly review your options um, when you're not just scrambling for a check. Some of the other things that you pointed out were really, really helpful for the community, especially um, being targeted and not, like you said, praying and spray. I absolutely agree with you that the more focused and targeted you are with trying to go for something, the <clears throat> excuse me, a couple things will happen. The more passionate you are about it, the more research you've done about it, the more you know about it, and the more those leaders will take you seriously. And I have a couple great examples of that. I have some companies that I work with right now, and you have people who are dogged. I mean, my, my mom used to always say this has been awesome. She, she would say persistence seldom fails. And it is the truth. You have candidates that I see it sitting on the other side who every two weeks they follow up, every two weeks they follow up, you know, like, I'm interested, is there another opportunity, is anything ever out there, what have you, and lo and behold, those are the folks that get hired. They might not have been the, they had the best quality, you know, like, they might not have checked every single box, they might be light in some areas or whatever, but just that pure persistence of, I want to break into this company, and you can't do that when you're spraying your resume all over, when you have 100 companies that you're going after. But when you have like 10, 20, you know, a small amount of companies where you can ping and be methodical about reaching out to folks, you will eventually get into the place where you are. So I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that's awesome advice to tell folks like, you know, it's a four to six month process, being being very targeted, try to be targeted from the beginning, um, really taking the approach of what companies do I want to work at? What companies really resonate with me? What products really resonate with me? And that's something that I tell, you know, when I coach people all the time, I tell them, like, instead of just being broad, think about which companies are companies you want to work at, regardless of if they have an opening, because they'll always have an opening. Everybody turns over. I mean, unless you're going to try to work for, I don't even know where everybody turns over, <laughs> especially in this industry, in the cybersecurity space where these roles are. You know, people stay 18 months, two years. Like the statistic, I think, for C-suite executives, I know the statistic for CISOs is somewhere between 17 months and maybe 48 months on the long end. So you're definitely going to be able to touch on some company where people are moving in and out. And below that, it gets even lower. So there's always opportunity. You know, it's just connecting and making sure that you're targeting the place. So I, I, I love that point. I would also add in, so something you mentioned earlier, um, being open to saying what you don't know, mm -hmm. but also showing that something that you do know and how it relates to how you can help that company solve their pain points. And then also um, being open and honest with yourself, knowing what you do want to do and what you don't want to do. Because once you know what you don't want to do, that passion comes off to your 
the person interviewing you, like they know you dislike it, whether you show it or not, like they can sense it in you that uh, they say they, they really like this field, but it doesn't sell. But as soon as you, you find someone that's truly passionate, that shines. Um, and then know your limitations, whether you want to travel, whether you want to be on call, um, all those aspects of a role, um, being honest with the employer, because once they ask that question and you're on the edge, they will feel that you're on the edge. And that could be that little thing that will choose whether they, they wanted to pursue you or not. Yeah. And I'll also say too, that I think it's important that when people ask you questions and you don't know, I have like a one, I don't know rule, right? Every topic that someone asks you something about and you say, I don't know, it, they shouldn't ask you the same question a week later and you say, I don't know, right? And you don't need to do a whole deep dive. You don't have to go 700 feet deep on a topic. But I think that in this, especially in this industry, right, if people start bringing up things, just get a baseline, uh, just get a baseline. I really think that that's important, um, you know, so that the next time that someone brings that up, it's ironic. It's like that big brother when you start talking about shoes and then later on today, I'll have like a Google ad for shoes. And it's like, I wasn't even searching for shoes. Um, same idea, right? Because that topic will come up again and someone will ask me, you'll be like, I'm glad I looked that up really quickly and just got some information. So now I'm, you know, taking it to the next step. Uh, keep doing that. And you will just naturally progress over time with your kind of knowledge base. Right. And it's like, you know, people don't realize, or some people do, that a job search is kind of a job in and of itself. So taking the feedback, taking the questions, you know, when I debrief with candidates and ask them, hey, what did they ask you? And part of that is understanding more about these are the things that, you know, for the next, for the follow-up, for the next interview, what have you. And then things that I can use to prep the next person as well to say, hey, you know, these are the types of questions that they ask. And everyone switches up and asks different questions. And it's not to say, like you said, you can't know everything. It's just virtually impossible. But, you know, it's always around the, 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 the high-level research that you're doing quickly finding out, hey, this is what's, this is, okay, what is this? If you completely don't know, at least you can do a quick Google search and say, okay, this is what this is, so that when somebody brings it up in the next conversation, you at least know at high level, okay, I, I've heard of that terminology before. I did a high level research and understand it's this. I don't know it in depth, but, you know, and that's a different conversation to just, I don't know. <laughs> so, so yeah, for sure, for sure. So I know we only have a couple minutes left. These things fly by so quickly. Chris usually asks our final question. We have like two minutes. Um, Eric Kim's making a couple comments. I just want to read off that he said, Google is your friend. Um, he also says one rule of thumb, tell the interviewer right off the bat and say, I'm the kind of person who, if I don't know the answer, I will tell them, I don't know, but I can guarantee I'll know how to find the answer. And that's absolutely right, Eric. You know to all of our points. You can't know everything. It's virtually impossible, but we are smart enough to be able to say, I will do the research and figure this out and be able to bring it back to you afterwards. So Chris, your final question. Yes. Uh, so based on everything you told us so far, your journey, if um, one of our listeners asked you for just one piece of sage advice, um, what would that be? Keep learning. Keep learning. Keep learning. 
Awesome. Awesome. Stacia, thank you so much for being here with us today. We appreciate your time and giving our viewers and our listeners this great, awesome information about how you broke into cybersecurity. Chris, thank you for being an awesome co-host. Folks, we will see you again next week. We have an amazing lineup. I think we have on deck 10 to 12 people lined up for the next three months or so. Um, and some of the, the, the companies that I'm working with also want to, to want to come on and kind of showcase their opportunities, which is great um, because we're having more and more opportunities for people with less than five years experience. So finally, I think it's opening up in the marketplace. Like we have to start defining more roles for more entry or, you know, near early, I call it early career talent. Um, so that's going to start coming up as well. So Thank you, everyone, for being a part of this, and I look forward to connecting with everybody next week. Have Thank a great you. weekend. Bye. Bye. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.